January 1, we started out talking about foundations. And Pastor Bill led us of, of saying, where have we been? And, and the fact that we desire everyone to become, uh, belong to the family of God to, to accept him. And then we went, from there is our commitment to you. We, we transformed into, okay, now looking ahead, if you will, a little bit, and that, that abundant life can be found in Christ and in community. And then we began the journey or we prepped, actually, I get out of hand here. We prepared for our journey and we, we saw kind of the strategic um, plan to get ready for the journey that the Lord has us on. Uh, there's some of the, the points there. And then we actually began the journey last week and you're like, man, it took us four weeks to get there. Yes, and then uh, we, we looked at just how do we begin that? How do we really take that step out? And uh, here's one of the quotes that, that was huge in my life of not letting that fear of wobbling stop us from stepping into all that God has for us. So today we are finishing the journey of this message series, but we're talking about how to ensure that we finish well. How do we, how do we finish this great adventure, uh, this journey with the Lord? How do we finish that well? I think it's an age old question that so many people are asking. And, and if you start looking up, finish well, there's all kinds of links that will pop up, uh, a lot about end of life stuff. But as we journey together, if we've been journeying, the question is, okay, God, I want my life to have a purpose. I want, I want this journey to end in a well that, uh, in a way that you say, great job. Well done, my good and faithful servant. So this morning, uh, we're going to look at a few aspects on this Christian journey that are going to help us hopefully finish the journey well. Now, the Christian journey is not just about having a great start. It's also about finishing well. Many of you may or may not have had a great start, but will you finish well? You can't go back and change the way we started this journey, but the question is, will we finish this well? And hopefully through today's message and, and the Lord will impress upon us some ways that we can make sure we finish this journey well. Unfortunately, there's several believers, several followers that, that aren't on the trajectory of finish, finishing well or, start, or finishing on a high note. Either they gave up or maybe they've taken a 180 degree turn and they're going the wrong direction. But here's an amazing truth for us today. Regardless of where you find yourself on this journey, maybe you have slipped up, maybe you have, uh, are, are facing the wrong direction. It's not too late to finish well. It's not too late to allow the Lord to do a course correction in our lives so that we can finish this journey well. There's still time until the Lord takes us home. That is when we are out of time. So how do we finish well? I'm telling you, this last week, this mentality, this topic, this thought of finishing well has been a heavy one. As you may realize or maybe not realize that it's been this long, but I've been dealing with a voice issue for going on 14 to 15 weeks now. And that's a lot of days. Don't ask me to do the math. But as I've dealt with this and, and we've, we've been pressing through this series, I haven't seen too many people cover their ears yet because of the sound of my voice. But through this journey of my struggle with I was like, man, I just have, we have one more message in this series. We have one more. And then Thursday morning, it happened. 
My wife didn't applaud or anything, but I woke up and went to speak and nothing came out. So I'm not a huge planner in the sense, but I was like, okay, now what do I do? And I was, I was contemplating, do I, at what point do I call Pastor Bill and be like, hey, you have less than 72 hours, Godspeed, I'm praying for you. Or do I just hang in there and pray that the Lord intervenes and does something amazing? And all through this, I kept having this word, these words, finish well. Finish well. And, and as I contemplated that in my head, what does that look like in, in just the context of this message series? It was a driving factor of, okay, I'm not going to talk the whole weekend, which ended up just being part of the weekend, but um, I'm still on a mission with the Lord. So to go a couple days without speaking was brutal, but, but I felt deep within me, the Lord saying, you need to finish. I put a message on your heart. You need to finish well. And if you just trust me with it, we can do this. So as I sent many text messages and my sign language is not very good, um, bless my family for the last couple days because they handled it really well. Um, my children made up for my lack of talking, but my prayer has not only that we finish this series well, but this entire journey, this great adventure that we're on with the Lord. Today, we're gonna look at, like I said, a few things that are consistent with a life that finishes well. So first off, we see, we must seek God's wisdom. We must seek God's wisdom. So, so what does that look like? Well, I love in, in the Bible, we see Solomon. He's one that always comes to my mind whenever we look at how do we seek God's wisdom? How do we chase after the wisdom that comes from above, that comes from the Father? And so over in 1 Kings chapter 3, verses 3 through 9, it says, Solomon loved the Lord. I, I love how it starts off right there. It just says, no if and buts about it. Solomon loved the Lord. Walking in the statutes of David, his father, only he sacrificed and made offerings of the high places. And the king went to Gibeon and sacrificed there for there was a great high place. Solomon used uh, to offer a thousand burnt offerings at an altar. And there the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night and said, ask me what I shall give you. So God approaches Solomon. Solomon is chasing after God the Father. He's chasing after seeking the face of God. And God says, ask me what I shall do for you. And I love this. And Solomon says, you have shown great and steadfast love to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in faithfulness, righteousness, and uprightness of heart towards you. And you have kept him for great and steadfast love and given him a son to sit on the throne. And it goes on to say in verse 7, and now, my Lord, O Lord, my God, you have made your servant king in a place of David, my father. Although I am but a child, I am, I am nothing much in the, in the whole significance of all this stuff, but you have made me king, you've elevated me, you've placed me in this position of authority. God, you've entrusted this to me. And, I, and your servant in the midst of the people who you've chosen, and great people, way too many to count. Verse nine, give your servant, therefore, an understanding. Give your servant an understanding mind to be able to govern your people that I may discern between the good and the evil for who is able to govern this your great people. 
what I love so much about this is, is literally God comes to Solomon and says, what would you like me to do for you? And as he goes and praises the Lord for what he's done in his life, for the, the, the path that he led not only his father through, but he had placed Solomon in this place of leadership, in this place of authority, and in this, this moment in time. And what does Solomon say? He says, thank you, Lord, for that. The only thing I'm going to ask you is that you give me understanding. God, I know how important your people are to you. You've, you've seen, we've seen your steadfast love. Now give me understanding so that I can lead them in a proper direction. Give me understanding so that I can lead them and I can govern them and I can lead them to the good and not to the evil. What I really love about this passage is, is that Solomon, walking with the Lord, he says, God, I desire wisdom for your people. God, I desire wisdom so that I can lead according to the, what you've called me to do. Church, in my own life, I've, I've had to say, God, I need your help in, in this situation because I am not capable of doing this to what you've called me to. I need you to come and lead me and guide me. And every time that we do that, the Lord answers. In order for us to finish well, we must pray for godly Wisdom. We must seek that spiritual enlightenment so that we know him and we know his ways and those ways will guide us. See, church, it's not just enough for us to read the Bible. Reading the Bible is great. Don't get me wrong. I do it every year and because I'm hoping that after I read it enough, it'll finally all sink through. It's still a process. But, but we can't just read the Bible. No, it, it's way more than that. We must come to understand the true character of God. And the more that we spend time in the word, we can totally understand. We can better understand all that he has for us. We can better understand the character of God. Very similar to any relationship you're in. If I was just to spend moments a day speaking to my wife, and that's all the time that I, yep, one chapter done, I'm good. That relationship wouldn't grow, it wouldn't be nurtured, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be worth anything. Church, the same thing is with our Lord. We've got to desire, we've got to seek it, we've got to spend time, just like with any relationship, we spend time with him. So that we can understand who he is, what he has for us, what he, where he's leading I don't know about you, but if, if you've never talked to someone, it's very hard to follow them. So if we're spending time with the Lord, we can see where he's leading. And so that we can say, God, I want to follow in your footsteps. But if we don't ever spend the time, we won't even recognize those footsteps. We won't recognize that voice. We must spend time in that relationship. We see in James chapter 3. It's also talking about wisdom that comes from the Lord. It says, but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. In this passage, we see that James is asking, who is truly skilled in the art of living? He's asking these questions. And then it goes on to discuss and share with us what living in wisdom from above, what does that look like? And then till we get to verse 17, as it's on the screen, but the wisdom from above 
is pure, it's peaceable, it's gentle. I love all these descriptive words here. Because the, the wisdom that the Lord lavishes on us, that pours down on us, are these things. Far greater than anything that we could ever conjure or any, any book smarts could get us. We must seek God's wisdom in all circumstances. See, this is one that is very difficult for us to actually play out in our daily lives. See, it's easy to say, God, I'm seeking your wisdom in these hard things. But are we doing them in the small things? Are we doing them in the good times and the bad times? Well, I prayed about where I should go to college, but I didn't pray about anything leading up to that point. Or whatever situation you find yourself in. Are we seeking his wisdom in the big and the small? Are we seeking his wisdom in the good times and in the bad? It's so easy to only invite him in, to impart his wisdom on certain aspects of our lives. But church, why not every part of our lives? Why don't we say, God, I need your wisdom throughout every aspect of my life because without that, I'm going to fail. We must allow him to come in and impart his wisdom in every aspect of our lives. Why don't we? What are we, what are we worried about him imparting his wisdom? So not only do we need to seek God's wisdom, but we need to also have obedience to God. We need to walk in obedience to him. What we learn with our mind and apprehend with our hearts must motivate us to do what God commands. I'm gonna put that on the screen. What we learn with our minds and apprehend with our hearts must motivate us to walk with God. It's, it's not just a, hey, I've got it up here, but I'm not gonna do anything with it. No, we must first learn it and understand it, and then we must walk it out. Not as a slave does necessarily. Not as because we're afraid of the Lord's discipline. Oh, I better listen to him because I don't want to get called out. I don't want to be disciplined by the Lord if I don't listen. Rather as a grateful child that, that delights to please their parent. We must obey him because it's, it's the way we should go and it's the, the right thing. It's the, it's the good things. We should obey him like that child delights in his parents and pleasing his parents. It's not enough for us to simply just understand it in our heads and in our minds and even our hearts. What good is it if, if that's all we do? If we don't go out and do it, don't put any action to it. In James chapter one, it talks about that. It says, but be doers of the word. Not just hearers only, because if you do that, you're deceiving yourself. This right here was, a, was an ouch point in my week because as I was studying this, it says, yeah, you can have all the head knowledge, but church, it takes us putting it into action. It takes taking that step out. We, we can have this great message series, the great adventure, in it, but if we never pack our bags, if we never take that first step, if we never join him on the journey... What good is that doing? See, it's January, and so this might hit close to home, and I, if so, I guess I'm sorry, but 
We read about all the new eating plans. We read about all the new fad things and this. We buy all the stuff that will help it work this time. This year going to be different. We buy all the fitness stuff. We go to all these links to, to make sure this will happen. But then it just becomes a place to hang up our clean clothes before they make it to the closet. No judgment if that treadmill in your room is serving that purpose right now. But if we don't ever activate it, what good is it? We can have all the workout stuff, but they're not going to lift themselves. It's not going to run and help my heart health if it just sits there in the corner accumulating dust and dirt. We can read all about all the health plans. We can buy the groceries, but if that kale sits probably where it should be in the fridge and just stays there, if we never ingest it, if we never dive into it, we're not going to get the nutrients. We're not going to change. In fact, some people would be willing to say, man, that was wasteful. You wasted those resources. You wasted that food. How many times do we do that? But, but when we ingest the word of the Lord, then we just say, that was good. We walk out of here on a Sunday morning and say, he sure walked a lot. He sure covered a lot of ground. He talks really fast. He has some cool slides. And then that's all. We're like, okay, what's the weather going to be? Or how bad are the Chiefs going to win today? We, we focus on that stuff and we don't, we don't allow this to put in our, we don't allow it to impact us. We hear it. We listen to the podcasts. We read the word. But are we being doers of the word? Because if we're just hearers, we're deceiving ourselves. It's just like looking at the mirror and you're being like, that is foolish if you look at the mirror and forget what you look like. But that's what James 1 is talking about right here. How many times do we sit and hear a message? How many times do we sit and read God's word? Confession time for, for me this morning, that was me bright and early this morning, reading through Exodus, and, and it just wasn't getting me going this morning because the plagues were all done and all that cool stuff. I mean, not all of God's words cool, but I was walking through and, and I had a fight that, that urged within my head of saying, don't just mark it off the task list. Don't do it just because you want to keep that streak going on the Bible app. Don't do it just because, that's, what God are you trying to teach me in this? Who begat, who begat, who begat, somebody's daddy and all that. God, what are you trying to teach me through this? That was not, I'm not going to go there. Are we saying, Lord, reveal to me. I want to be a doer of your word, even though it's confusing. But God, allow me not just to hear it, but allow me to put it into practice. How many times are we opening it up just to mark it off the to-do list. We, we want to stay with the rest of the church and read through the Bible in one year. Are we, are we just marking it through? Are we just doing it as a task? Just like making our bed, brushing our teeth. Is it just one of those things? Or are we allowing it to infiltrate us? And that word, I love it. I, I picked that intentionally because are we allowing the word to permeate every deepest recess of our soul? Are we allowing God's word to infiltrate us to the deepest part of our being so that we'll have a lasting impact?
My desire, and I'm not there yet, but as, as I immerse myself in God's word, my prayer is, God, that it would be rooted deep down, that it will not be easily removed from me. It won't be easily forgotten. That in those times of, of, of struggle, that I can call those back. Because his word never returns void. There's power in his word. Are we allowing him to infiltrate every part of our being? Are we allowing him room to come in? Are we allowing him access to every area of our life? But we also must trust in God's promises. We must also trust in his promises. And, and I love it because God gives a lot of promises all throughout his word. And guess what? He's never gone back on one yet. He hasn't broken any of them yet. And he's not going to start today or tomorrow. This is something so simple that, yeah, I'm going to trust in God's problems. I'm going to trust, pro, not problems, promises. I'm going to trust in all God's promises. Seems so simplistic, but what about when the impossible comes up? What about when that thing arises in our life and we don't have an answer? We don't know what else to do. Are we trusting him fully in those promises? I know last week we talked about this scripture, but it's too good to, to not. It's, it's, it's kind of a passage for the whole great adventure. But in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him. He will make your path straight. Are, are we allowing him access to all? Are we, are we saying, God, I'm putting my whole trust in you. I'm trusting in everything that you said. I trust you and your promises because they are good. They've never failed yet. If you think about Paul's life, if you think about the life of Paul just for a second, there were times that, that man, he trusted God throughout it whenever it didn't even make sense. He trusted God to do a great work in his life even whenever it didn't make sense and when it was hard, he trusted him and he never questioned God. Even when the persecutions came, he trusted that God was faithful, that God was gonna be there. He walked that journey and it was tough, but he knew that God was there. He was confident in the Lord and what the Lord was doing in him and through him. Are we trusting in God's promises on that level? Are we trusting in God's promises like that? In Philippians, he pins this. He says, and I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Paul says that he's going to come through. The Lord is going to come through on all of his promises. Church, are we living in a way like that? Are we, are we living? Is that our heart posture? Is that our life posture that we're saying, God, I trust in your promises. I know you're faithful. You've been faithful then, and you're going to be faithful again. You don't change, God. You're still the same faithful God, and I trust in that. Even when it doesn't make sense. Is that how we're walking our lives out? Are we living in a way that screams that we are confident, not in ourselves, but in him and the work that he is doing in our lives? Are we allowing that to be what our lives screams? 
Because regardless of what you're walking through right now, you can hold true to his promises. You can hold tight to them because they will never fail. Regardless of how high the mountaintop you may be on or how low the valley that you're walking through right now, hang tight. Hold tight to his promises for they will never fail. And I love that all throughout the Bible, there's so many passages of scripture that come to mind that are, that are faithful. They're talking about his faithfulness. He hasn't ever broken a promise and he's not gonna start now, as I said. He'll bring it to completion, sometimes not in our time, but in his time frame. If we just trust in his promises and go the distance with him. So not only seeking God's wisdom and obeying God and the obedience, walking in his obedience to him and trusting in God's promises, but number four, walk the talk. Are we, are we going to walk the talk? And, and by that, I actually looked it up in Cambridge Dictionary. I've never quoted Cambridge Dictionary, so I wanted to today. It's, if you, it says if that someone that talks the talk but does not walk the walk, you mean that they do not act in a way that agrees with what they say. We all know, we know this saying, walk the walk and talk the talk. So I just shortened it for us because some of us need that. Um, but it's an English phrase and it says, show me, don't tell me. Show me what you're gonna do. Don't just talk about it. And church, that's been, the, the, the church as a whole, it's been one of our downfalls is, man, we talk a great game, but when times come to, to put that action, to put steps to that action, it's tough. You mean my hard-earned money, I'm supposed to give some back? Like, I, I worked really hard for that. Try explaining it when you employed by a church they gave you the money. It's a fun conversation saying, no, I'm not giving it back to the church. I'm giving it to the Lord. He's the one that's provided it for me anyways. And so I'm just giving it back to him because it all belongs to him anyways. Are we walking out what our talk is saying? In this journey, especially if we're trying to finish well, Truth is, we're going to be confronted by the enemy. We're going, to have in, we're going to have encounters and collisions with the enemy along the journey. And when that occurs, what I love is the Lord is going to give us what to say. He's going to lead us through that. We just need to remember that he will not let us walk through these alone, that he's there right there with us. His Holy Spirit has come, and it is right there with us walking through this journey. In John chapter 14... It says this in verse 25, these things that I have spoken to you while I'm still here, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all these things and bring to remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave you and my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give. So let your hearts not be troubled, neither let them be afraid. I love this passage because it's talking about, man, our, our, we can walk out the talk because we have, I don't want to say the secret weapon, but we have the Lord, the Holy Spirit that comes in and dwells with us. And it gives us the authority to stand in the hard places and proclaim his name. It gives us the, the knowledge to share those hard conversations and, and walk with people on the journey. It gives us the strength to do things that we would otherwise not want to do or be capable of. But the helper... 
He'll teach you all these things and bring to remembrance what I've shared with you. So as I was thinking through this idea of walking the talk and this and the Holy Spirit come and 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 come in and lead and guide and help us remember. I got thinking of a lighthouse. Now, a lighthouse is not only just there to, to warn about dangerous coastlines or about the reefs or the rocks that may not be able to be seen, but it also provides direction to a safe harbor. As I was reading on lighthouses this week, it, it also allows the safe entries into harbor and assists in aerial navigation. Something I didn't know. The more you know, man. Are we being good lighthouses for him? Are we saying, God, you've put something in me that I've, I've walked some path and it's only by your, by your grace that I've been able to f- make it through that path. Are we not only just warning people, but are we saying, man, I'm gonna walk there with you. I'm gonna ha- allow and help you to have safe entry into harbor. Are we being the lighthouses for him to others? And then lastly, pass it on. Pass it on. What, what I mean by this is, don't just hold it to yourself. 23 years ago in the year 2000, Skillet, yes, the band Skillet, they came out with this song called The Best Kept Secret. And here are some of the lyrics from that. And this song has always, it's, it's perplexed me for the last 23 years. And some of you guys are like, man, you need to get a life if you're stewing on a song for 23 years. But it, it always kind of threw me off a little bit because here it's talking about, God, you're the best kept secret of my generation. You're the best kept secret. He's saying, I found you, but... You're this, you're this secret. And so from time to time over the last 23 years, this song has entered my mind. And it, got, it gets me thinking, why have we allowed him? Why have I allowed him to be a secret in my life? Yeah, those close to me know that I'm, I'm unashamed to stand on that platform and to preach the gospel, and I'm very passionate about that. But do other people that I come in contact with on my daily life, do they know? Do the people that I go to high school, they probably don't because I don't talk to them very much, but do they know that I'm passionate for him? Do they know that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ? Everywhere I go, my extended family, those I interact with in the community, do they know that I'm chasing after Jesus with my life or I've allowed him to become secretive until I'm up here or till it's a convenient time. Why have we allowed him to become a secret? What are we afraid of by showing people what he has done in our lives? Church, these are some sobering questions that I had to ask. Why, why are we so nervous or Paralyzed. What, why are we, what are we afraid of to allow people to see his faithfulness in our lives? Why are we keeping it a secret? Why aren't we getting as many people as we can 
to come in and say, God, you gotta experience this God. My aunt, on my mom's side, my mom's only sister, she had an encounter with Jesus many, many years ago. And when she encountered Jesus, there was something so different about her that when she went back home, the rest of the family, Granny and Papa and my uncle and my mother, they knew something was different. And my mom has told the story of, of, man, when Diana gave her life to Christ, I knew something was different. And I wanted some of that. I wanted to experience what she experienced. Church, why are we keeping it all to ourselves? It's the greatest experience. It's the greatest relationship we have in our entire lives. We should be going out from this place screaming it from the mountaintops. I would say put a bumper sticker on your vehicle, but if you're going to drive like a fool, I'm guilty of that too. Don't do that. We want people to come to him. But are we willing to go out and share what he has done in us and through us so that others may experience that? I love that Jesus himself specifically tells us to pass that on, to, to share with others. He says in the Great Commission, he says, go therefore. Not sit there and talk about it. It doesn't say post on your computers about it. Don't, don't just take it to social media. But he says, go, get busy, make disciples of all nations. People that look like us and people that don't. The people that don't smell like us, talk like us, dress like us. Go to the places of all nations. Go to them. Share with them all the things. Introduce them to the Father and the Holy Spirit. And then what does it say? And then teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. Don't just say, hey, there's an awesome Jesus. You should check it out. Here you go. And then leave. It says what? Go and make disciples of all nations and teach them. Walk with them. Show them. Pass it along. Disciple them, mentor them. If you're like, man, I don't even know how to do that. Find your buddy, go to coffee, and just start talking about what the Lord is doing in your life. You don't have to be a biblical scholar. Praise the Lord, because I'm not one. All you have to do is say, God, here I am. Use me. Hey, let's go to coffee. Let me tell you about what amazing things the Lord is doing around me. I have no agenda. I don't have a, I don't have a plan. I don't have a three point, five point message with an organ playing in the background. I don't have all that. I just want to do coffee with you and tell you about what the Lord's doing in my life. Are we willing to do that? We've got t-shirts out there in the lobby that say, love God, love others. And, and what a great declaration. But are we truly loving others by saying, hey, I've got this thing in my life that I've encountered and you can't go another day without it. Let me tell you about my Jesus that radically changed my life. Let me tell you about a Jesus, even though I wasn't a hardened criminal at the age of seven, but when I had an encounter with him, but I was destined to hell, which is a very real place, and he turned my life around, gave me a life with a purpose, and because he loves me so much that he sent his son to die on the cross for me. Are we loving others that well? 
to not miss an opportunity to share that with them. To not miss out on an opportunity to point them in the direction, to lead them, to guide them towards the only person that could change their lives. Are we living our lives in a way that shows others all that he's done for us? Are we living a life unashamedly that points back to him? Are we living a life that screams and declares his goodness? Are we leaving a legacy that is focused on him, not the things that we've accomplished or attained? Are we passing it on? It's not enough just to begin the journey right. We must finish it in victory, and we can if we stay laser-focused on him. We can finish the journey well if we listen to him and say, God, I know it doesn't make sense right now. I don't understand it fully, but I'm going to trust you one step at a time. Are you allowing him to point you in the right direction to finish well? Are you allowing him the room in your life to do whatever he wills, whatever he has. Are we on the trajectory to finish well? Let's pray together. God, we thank you so much. God, I thank you for who you are. God, I thank you for allowing us all to be on this journey with you and it's, and it's an amazing adventure. God, and I thank you for that. And Father, I pray that today, that, God, you would have your way with us. God, if we have turned to the right or to the left, Father, I pray that today we would regain that laser focus and we would get back on the heading that is straight to you. God, our desire is that we finish well. And, Father, we need your help to do that. So, God, I pray that in this place, Whatever you need to do in our lives, if you need to wreck our lives, God, I pray that you do it. God, if you need to gently course correct, I pray that you do it. Father, I pray that if there's one in this place that needs to surrender all to you, that today would be that day that they have that encounter with you. And then, God, as we leave this place, may it not be a secret who we belong to, but, God, whether whenever we go from this place that we would be declaring it and unashamedly sharing with everybody. Not because we want fame, but God, because we want people to have that same encounter with you. So God, use us in a mighty way. We are so grateful for who you are. We love you. We praise you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for being here. Don't forget, after second service, we have the outpost lunch. Thank you so much. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.